Welcome to On the Brink, a fresh lens to take you and your business to new heights. Hi, I'm Andy Simon, your host or your hostess, and I'm here to help you see, feel, and think in new ways. As you know, I'm an anthropologist, and I go searching for people who can help you do the same. Change is painful, we know that. But if you begin to listen to people who have done it and are here to help you do it, all of a sudden you open your mind to possibilities. You can't ask for more than that. Then the whole thing is, how do you do it yourself? So today I have Tony Guarnaccia here. Now, Tony and I had a hard time getting together, so it's really a treat to have him on our show. But I think you're going to find his story a profound one, something to listen to carefully, because it hasn't always been easy and simple. But as he's shaking his head, uh, life isn't simple or easy, but it is interesting. And the question is, how do you hurdle those obstacles in your way to become the best that you can be? So a little bit about Tony, and then I'll let him tell you about his own journey. He has helped thousands of businesses survive crisis. Now, we used to tell people, if you want to change, and they typically helped, hired us to help them change, have a crisis or create one. If not, you don't pay any attention. But I never expected a pandemic and all of the things that have come with it. I didn't expect a crisis. But once you're in it, don't waste the crisis. And Tony will tell you how to see this as an opportunity and a possibility, not just painful. Whether it's post 9-11, the Great Recession, massive company acquisitions, change has always been around us. You know, it sort of comes with life. But he's helped businesses navigate the uncertainties and emerge stronger on the other side. So if nothing else, today is very timely for you. If you're going to see things in a new way, listen to Tony. I'll give you the context, though, because this is touching. As a child, Tony experienced firsthand the devastating crisis of a business failure when his parents' business failed and they lost everything, including his home. Not easy. Very powerful. But he then determined that he would never have that happen. He was going to learn how to run businesses, and he did, working for some of the best businesses in industry, from Google and Microsoft, ADP and Ford. He learned a whole lot about how to prosper in good times and bad, and now he's developed a whole process. He calls it democratized marketing, but he's going to tell you about his blueprint for how you can begin to see, feel, and think in new ways about you and your business. Because remember, you are your business. And very often, the business can't change unless you do as well. So, Tony, thank you for joining me. Thanks so much for having me today. Really appreciate it. So, tell the listeners about your own journey. I gave them a little bit of a setup, but I would love for you to tell them more so they can begin to see why this is such a remarkable time for us to listen to you. Sure. So, my really big purpose of where I am today and really where I see me in my future started when I was just 12 years old. And so, at the age of 12, uh, my parents had a small Italian bakery. They were fantastic bakers, amazing bakers. Unfortunately, they didn't know what they didn't know about growing a business. And so at 12, <clears throat> we lost everything. Lost the dog, lost the car, lost the home, uh, and had to move into my oldest sister's basement. Oh. And so it was it was a really tough time. And, but like I said, I learned a lot during that time, like really about how to become more resilient. And I bounced back. My fa- whole family bounced back. I ended up going to college. Uh, studying business uh, and really learned a lot with that and then uh, went to apply it and said, okay, I learned this great thing. And my senior project was to write a business plan and actually decided to launch that business, which was one of the first online bakeries. And so I kind of went back with my parents and did bakery round two, almost kind of as a redemption type thing. Uh, And so we did that and we were one of the first bakeries online. This is the late nineties that we were able to take, take a cake 
and ship it anywhere in the country and have it arrive perfectly. And we actually turned that into a promotional products company. So I know you're in New York. Um, we won best new product at the New York Incentive Show at the Javits Center uh, because we were able to take a photo, put it on that cake, and then also have that arrive per- per- perfectly. So we hit, did promotional products for like IBM and Microsoft, amazing companies, uh, celebrities like Jennifer Lopez and Jay-Z. And here I am in my late 20s, mid to late 20s, I'm thinking, wow, entrepreneurship is easy. You know, what were mom and dad missing? I have this down, you know, and then then unfortunately I found out that I didn't know what I didn't know. And so I lost everything again. Uh, This time it was tougher because personally for me personally, because I had a a new wife, baby on the way. And I said to myself, I said, look, I, I don't know what I'm doing, but who does? And that's really what started me on over a decade late decade-long journey to work with some of the best companies in the world, like you mentioned, you know, Google, uh, ADP, Ford, General Motors, a whole bunch of great companies. But then my my passion has always been for small business and entrepreneurship. And so after that span of time, once I felt like I learned what I need to, I went back to really share what I learned with as many businesses as I, as I possibly can, which goes to that mission you mentioned to democratize marketing. Well, you know, it says that you've worked with 10,000 businesses. Yeah. And I have a hunch there's some patterns that you've noticed. You live through some yourself. Yeah. You didn't know what you didn't know is what you just said. Correct. And the hard part, and I find that the mind doesn't open up to learn new things. It hates new stuff. <clears throat> that amygdala hijacks it, fears it, flees it. It doesn't really like the unfamiliar. But change needs familiarity with it. So we have to try stuff, test them, begin to learn. So give us some of the insights that came about and give us some of the patterns of those companies that others could learn from. Is that a good question for you? No, it's a fantastic question because it's it's something that small business owners, people that just don't have the level of success miss all the time. And really what I discovered over the years is there's really three things necessary to have success. You have to first identify what the issues are and what you need to do. Then you have to understand those challenges. And then the last one, you have to take action. So kind of going back to my story about the bakery, right? So I might know if maybe I'm having a party, I might know, uh, you know, I want to have a cake. I want to have streamers. I want to have, you know, whatever. That may be the first start. I know I've identified the problem. Like I need to have a party. Here's what I have to do. That doesn't necessarily mean I know how. I don't know how to make the cake. You know, I know some flour goes into it, some eggs and other stuff. Do I actually know how to make the cake? So I have to understand that. And then I actually have to bake the cake because you can have all this. And this go, this pattern goes across everything in life and in business. So it's not just a business thing. It's it's a life lesson because the thing same thing applies if you want to lose weight, right? We're probably thinking about that as we get into the new year. Same <laughs> principles. And so those three things have to align. Otherwise, you're just not going to hit the the targets that you set for yourself. You know, I'm listening to you and I am launching my new book. I'll give you the title, listeners. It's Rethink Smashing the Myths of Business in uh, Smashing the Myths of Women in Business. It comes out January 5th, 2021. And I want to have a launch party. And I don't have a clue how to have a launch party. But a colleague of mine who's an author had a fantastic one with 500 people who came. So I emailed her and I said, what'd you do? She said, I hired so-and-so who has done a fantastic job. And I said, oh, okay. And I have a call with her today to see if she can do a fantastic job. Because quite frankly, I can do a webinar, but for 500 people, where do I start? And so part of it is knowing what you know, what you don't know, and then how to fill the gaps with the right expertise to do it. So as you were doing this, you were beginning to see things that were big gaps. Some of them you want to share. Yeah. So, and that's a great point you made because 
I'm, these are the things you have to understand. Doesn't mean that, or ha- really the way to put it is has to be understood. Doesn't mean you have to understand it because you can, you know, hire an expert, you can model someone that's already had success. And that a lot of times is a shortcut. Uh, but in terms of the, you know, the what, the how, and the action, most businesses I find miss the first category. Yes. So they, they jump right in, they go into, okay, here's how, you know, how do I launch a podcast? How do I do SEO? How do I do all, without first asking the question, what do I want to accomplish? And more importantly, which I don't get into as much, but the why, like, why is this important to me? And so if you translate this into corporate culture, what they would call that, it's really a strategic plan. Yes. And almost no businesses have, and it's a fancy word. That's why I don't use it <laughs> when I talk to people. <laughs> uh, but that in reality, that's what it is. That's what the, what they have to know what and so in the corporate world, when you're looking at work at that level, you have teams of people in a room with a spreadsheet 30 times long, you know, with every permutation. If this happens, we're going to do this. If this happens, we're going to do that. The problem is most small businesses spend more time playing their birthday, <laughs> their wedding, their anniversary, you know, their, their vacation than they do, sadly, their life or, or their business. Yes. And so one of the things I'm trying to help people understand is that's the area you have to really focus on to get to where you want to be. Now, a word from our sponsors, Simon Associates Management Consultants. Simon Associates is us, and we love to help you see, feel, and think in new ways to help you and your business grow. We specialize in applying the tools and methods of anthropology, but we're also entrepreneurs and business builders, and we like to share our experience and expertise with you. So if you're stalled or stuck or starting up, give us a buzz and let's see if we can help you as well. You can learn all about us at simonassociates.net and read my book, learn about it at andysimon.com. There's a free chapter you can download and a toolkit you'll find very helpful. We're on Amazon and you can buy it as a book, an ebook, or even an audible that I recorded myself. We look forward to hearing from you at simonassociates.net. Info at simonassociates.net is right to us. Now back to our podcast. You know, to your point, the number of businesses that fail every year is extraordinary. Correct. You know, 60% of them or some number of great size. Often the research is compelling that they really don't have something anyone needs. Yeah. And they're easily in a red ocean. We're blue ocean strategists. So we're looking for unmet needs. They aren't doing that. They're duplicating. They're another HVAC company or another necessity business, or they are another bakery. And then the question is, as good as a baker could be, why you? That question. And then if you're that good, how come there isn't a line out the door? And I find often in my workshops, the CEOs of mid-market companies $100 million companies, $10 million companies have no marketing or storytelling. You know, they've built it on word of mouth and they think that's how we build our business. And they're afraid of the investment because they don't know how to evaluate it. So it becomes real interesting about being open to learn and beginning to see how to do things. Uh, But it's a very difficult time. Are there some case studies you can show us or tell us about that might illustrate these? Yeah, no, that's a great point. And that's actually my what I've really been focusing on really for the past decade. Because as I went into small businesses to try to help them solve this problem, I realized they had a lot of challenges to doing it. So why don't businesses strategic plan? They don't have time, they don't have money, they don't have the understanding, uh, you know, they don't have the resources, you know, they they just have so many limitations. So I say, okay, how do I make it simple? And mm-hmm. so that was really what the, the approach I took. And what I, I found is there's only really six levers that really, really matter. And that is really how you do all the things you mentioned. Differentiate yourself, 
you know, um, understand your market. And so those factors really start with number one, your market, then going into your products and services, you're providing those market, then your value proposition, which is why anyone would buy from you as opposed to no one else or do nothing at all. Followed by how to increase the number of buyers, new buyers, the size of those buyers, and then the lifetime value and 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 kind of their loyalty of those buyers. Those six things. So you can do strategic planning, and I'll, I'll give you a case study because my favorite case study in the world is I took and which you can see the system if you're watching the video, mm-hmm. the system right here, which I call the results loop. I actually took my daughter through it, and she's only at the time she's was nine or ten. Uh, but she's in a Girl Scout troop. So what was really interesting is the Girl Scouts actually are learning business planning. They have uh-huh. a business plan. I actually got to teach them this in her troop. And I walked them through the results loop, these six factors, and they dramatically increased their cookie sales in a very short period of time. So that's a great case study that's that I can go through. Incredible. Yeah. So and, uh, be more specific if you can. What did yeah, you Yeah, I'll give you the case study. I'll yeah. give you the case. Yeah. So you first start off with um, the market. So who is the market you're going to serve? And you want to be as specific as possible. And so it was amazing because these girls got it right away. So who's your market? Well, most of them for the first, uh, the first go around said mom and dad, great market. Well, who else do you have? Well, we have our neighborhood. Okay. Well, where else? Well, we could go to the mall, you know, to the outside of the grocery store. And the reason why this is powerful is when you're specific, it drives other ideas. So, you know, one, actually, I think it was my daughter said, oh, we went to the yoga studio. All of a sudden, people are thinking, well, what yoga studios are we in? And all of a sudden, you have a very specific market. And once you define something, you can actually solve it, which is why the identifying is so important. Because if everything's abstract, you can't, your mind can't wrap around and actually solve the problem. So that's step number one is identifying your markets. And that works in the business world. By, you can do it by geography. You can buy, do it by their pain points. You can do it in so many ways. Uh, you can segment your markets. But that's the first place to start. And then the gals did what? Did they change their behavior in order to capitalize on this new strategy? Absolutely. They started making a list of who they were going to go after beyond just the typical mom and dad and neighbors. So they they were able to really brainstorm. It became a brainstorm, which, you know, if you can see the results, of, I actually created this as a whiteboard so people can literally whiteboard on it and brainstorm collaboratively. You can also do it off of a piece of paper, but it's really designed to drive innovation and thought you know, by, by going through this process. So that was the first step. Yep. I am. And I do think that the action part, we talk about, you have to see it, you have to believe it, and then you have to act on it. Yeah. Because if you just see the problem, but you don't really understand what it is and you can't believe there's a solution and you don't take any action at all, you will just stay exactly where you are. But the times will change. Customers will migrate. And this during the pandemic period with remote work and with clients changing their buying, the whole trajectory is changing Mm -hmm. for any business. Um, They're all sitting and wondering, when will it go back? (laughs) Well, I just finished a a, a long roundtable discussion and people aren't sure it is going back. And what will it go back to? And our generation that's coming is learning how to do a lot of things remotely self-starters and begin to be resilient. We have lots of equity issues that aren't easy, but the times they're changing. So now for all these small, mid-sized businesses, if you're in retail, will they come back into the store? Um, I had a woman uh, email us. We are manufacturers of unique clothing. Do you think that e-commerce is going to be the place to go? I said, I think the bigger question is who's going to buy clothing? Right. Because I know that the makeup world is changing and the clothing industry is changing. 
um, masks have replaced lipstick. And so all kinds of things capitalize on it. See how you can take advantage. Don't waste the crisis. So as you're looking, out of this came the democratized marketing. You want to tell us about it? Yeah. So one of the ideas that started this, like I said, this this framework came from many, many different sources based on my experience and, and, you know, kind of problems identified. But really the gist of it is how do you democratize marketing? And so what I discovered is that, you know, the deck is really stacked against businesses, right? In so many ways. But there's really three specific things that came out of what I call the marketing revolution. And so if you look at marketing 40, 50 years ago, pretty straightforward. You know, you get an ad, you put it in the newspaper, boom, you get some business, right? That was, I wouldn't even say 50. Gosh, when I started that cake business, we were doing newspaper ads. So 20 years ago at most. But then things got a little bit more complicated, right? You had newspapers, uh, radio, uh, TV. And so you're getting more towards broadcasts. So more and more stuff going on. Then you get to the point later on where you have the internet, right? So you have directories like Yahoo to organize all this. Then you have Google, and, and all these search engines because it's becoming more and more complex. Then all of a sudden, you're now able to create content, right? Through social media, you can create your own social media, post it, and then all of a sudden, exponentially more content out there to a point now where you're not just competing against your competitors, you're competing against the biggest brands in the world, Facebook, YouTube, Amazon. So really, how does a business have success? And if you can look at this, you can really identify three main issues out of this. One, there's a tremendous amount of clutter. There's so many places you need to be. Uh, and when you get to be in one of those places, so you find, finally find a market that works, a, a channel, a marketing channel that works, how do you actually stand out? Very, very difficult. But before you even get to that problem, there's fra- fragmentation. So years ago, like I said, a couple of newspapers, a couple of TVs, you know, TV ads, you're good to go. Now there's millions and millions of channels because everyone's got you know, broadcasts, you know, the media somewhere. And then the final uh, challenge, so you have the clutter, you have the fragmentation. The last one is technology. You know, so you might understand how to get your messaging down and your markets, but you can't technically execute because there's code and there's pixels, all this stuff. And so my whole um, challenge for myself was to help educate people on those three areas so they can overcome those problems because the biggest companies in the world have these resources for the most part. Even them, you know, the CMOs that big, you know, I was at a Harvard um, um, uh, symposium with some of the top CMOs in the world and they were scared. Now, this was a little while ago. It was probably 10 years ago. They didn't really know what was going on either, to be honest. Uh, but now, how much more so is a small business? They're busy running their business, right? They don't have time to think about and learn all this. So it's a real challenge. So my mission is to educate those everybody uh, that's a small business about these challenges so they can overcome them. Well, they also need to become data junkies. And I do think that often uh, small business people are really excited about the product and their business model, but they're not really into the data to the degree they should be Correct. because everything is data today. Yeah. So, you know, we're HubSpot partners. We believe in inbound marketing. What are the keywords that people are typing in to find out about the best bakery in, you know, New York? Right. And are, do you come up on that front page? I mean, Google has completely changed the shelf at which you can be. I mean, and if you're not on that first or second page, you don't exist. Right. And in the world that you knew where you're selling this stuff bakery online, that was brilliant. Um, but it also didn't live forever. 
And there are lots of things, whether it's steak online or it's wine that you buy online, or you can buy everything you want online anywhere in the world, practically. So now the question becomes, how does your content make you the authority on it? How do you make the Google algorithm love you? And then social media adds a whole other dimension. The complexity, though, I find exciting, but you need to be looking at the right data to know what it is that uh, it really is happening. Yeah. And and I find many of those businesses, mid-market, small business, even large ones, aren't sure what the data is telling them. Yeah. They don't know what the story is. And sometimes they give you data, but they only take the data that supports them, not the other stuff. So that right. data knowledge is extremely important. So as you're doing this, do you hold workshops for people or do you do consultations? I mean, how do you add value for them? Absolutely. So a number of ways. So I have a book that's coming out that is kind of the starter to get introduced to these concepts. Uh, and it goes all the way from there up to workshops. I have online courses. I have one-on-one coaching. So I try to have something that's available at every kind of tier that works for people. Because my whole idea is to give this as many people as possible. Some people may want to just, you know, maybe they don't even have the budget. They just want to start with a book. Other people want to go all in and maybe for the New Year's do more planning. And so I have more one-on-one coaching for those folks. That's pretty exciting. So Tony, as I'm looking at our time for our listeners, are there two or three things you want them to remember? Very often, they remember the ending even more than your great story at the beginning, which I really liked. I mean, you you. really had a life of adversity that turned into absolute uh, celebration. And and now to share it is really a very big promise and a purpose for you. But a couple of things you don't want them to forget. Yeah, well, let me go back to the one story I didn't tell you is my mother's story, which is even more kind of gripping (laughs) than mine. And so I learned about resiliency from my mother, from my mother, because she came out in a very, you know, time very similar to today. So back in the late 1930s, there was the polio epidemic. Yes. And so unfortunately, at the age of nine months, she contracted polio, wasn't able to walk from the age of nine. Uh, nine months, all the way up to, gosh, 14 years old. But she always had a vision in her, in her mind, and that was to wear high heels someday. And so she, this is where I learned the, that process of identify, you know, understand, and act. And so at the very beginning, she wasn't able to walk, but what could she do? Well, the, the hospital uh, taught her and, and had her grow her nervous system. And they did that by working in pottery you know, strengthens the muscles, the nervous system. Then she got to the point where she was able to go in the pool, build up more strength, more strength into the point where she was walking between two bars, getting stronger and stronger. And so I learned from her these lessons. So I always try to give credit to her, uh, but also the whole idea of resilience really came to those things and and your mindset, how you approach this, because she never doubted. So she accomplished her mission was able to even, you know, do some sports, run around a little bit, not an athlete, but at least move around. Uh, and so she overcame their obstacles. So that was kind of what I learned from her. So that was one of the seminal stories that really impacted my life, even to this day, because why I face a challenge, because even now I had to completely pivot my business. Yes. And I, I use my own framework based on, on what I learned. And so this change never ends. So this learning how to be resilient is one of the strongest and best things you can have in your arsenal. Well, and that word resilience has become a cliche. So I want to emphasize that you really, if this is a mindset. Correct. 
It's it's not a, a casual word. I'm going to be resilient or whatever else you want to name it. Um, this says I'm going to see the opportunities and turn my lemons into lemonade, and I'm going to turn my limes into margaritas, and I'm going to find the positive because life is full of positives and negatives. But a positive mindset achieves enormous possibilities, and a negative one doesn't. Remember Carol Dwork's work on a growth mindset versus a, a fixed mindset. And, and, and the stuff that Marissa Pierce teaches us about collaborating with your mind. So as you're going through these periods of crisis, don't waste them. Collaborate yeah. with your mind and turn the negative into a positive and see what's possible. And then you see it, you believe it, you act on it. Next thing you know, it happens. And you go, how did that happen? Right? Yeah. yeah, it's a process. It's absolutely a process. So it's not a one-time thing. It's something you have to continually work on. And so... And don't so let, right, don't let people discourage you. The entrepreneur's song is usually, as you tell somebody it, they say, nobody ever does that. Or why would you want to do that? Or nobody can do that. And then you do it. And they say, oh, that was obvious. And I have too many <laughs> entrepreneurs we've worked with who sing the same song back. Nobody yeah. thought I could do it, but of course I did it. This has been such fun. Tony, yeah. if they want to get a hold of you, where can they do that? Yeah, a great question. So uh, I have collected a lot of these stories that I'm putting into my book. I have my framework that's available uh, for free. All these things, all these resources are available at Small Steps Manifesto. It's a graphical guide and, and kind of templates that has everything I've talked about today and a whole lot more. So you can just go to smallstepsmanifesto.com and, and download it today. And I'll make sure that we have all of his information on our uh, on our podcast blog that we put out with the with the uh, audio and the video. And so, if you've been enjoying the video, let us know because we've turned all of our podcasts into both forms. Some people like to see you, and some people want to hear you, and they do both. It's the most interesting world that we're in, and they do it around the globe. I've had people from Dubai, from Gabon, and South Africa. It's a little tiny world today, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, but you all need a little help with Tony's help. So thank you for joining me today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Now, for all of our listeners, thank you for joining us. It is a pleasure. And it's so much fun to bring you people as interesting as Tony, because there's something important for you to see the world through different eyes, begin to feel it. Remember, we decide with the heart and the gut, and that goes to the brain. And then all of a sudden, we have this epiphany that says, ah, that's how it goes. So keep listening. Because everyone we bring to you has a story to share about how they've you know, smashed through, overcome the hurdles. And my new book is out January 2020 called Rethink, Smashing the Myths of Women in Business. There are 11 women there, and I'm one of them, who simply said, of course we can. And each of the stories talks about the myths that they were facing and how they overcame it. And I urge you to pre-order a book, order a book, enjoy the book, and keep in touch with us on um, both on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter, because we like to share with you their stories, their role models, and they'll give you a model for how you too can be the best that you can be. And Tony's giving you some of his ideas on it. These women will as well. So for now, stay well, stay please positive. And don't waste the crisis. It's a great time for creativity. All the things that you couldn't do, you can. And so join us. We're up every week and it's been a pleasure. Bye-bye now. <laughs>